Hello everybody, welcome to episode 82 of the Metal Cell podcast. This week's episode is all about Metal Has No Borders and it features Chris from Hidden Intent. But before we get to that, I want to play a brand new song from Psychotic Outsider. The band were formed in August 2018 in Galway in Ireland and their music, the band says, is a combination of hardcore metal and punk rock which creates strong and aggressive sounds fused with dynamic beats. So in March 2019 they released their first demo EP which is available to download for free and started playing frequent gigs around Ireland. In February of this year, Psychotic Outsider released their debut album called Psyching Out Mentality and that contained 10 songs and the opening track is called Mystery, so that's the one you're about to hear. So with members from the Ukraine, Poland and Ireland, I want to give a big shout out to Nicole on vocals, Peter on guitar, Robert on bass and Peter on drums. So enjoy. I'm here on the other side, I can't bear we wait 
And that was the brilliant psychotic outsider with mystery. Please check out all their stuff on Bandcamp, on Facebook, etc. Congratulations, Nicole and the band. That is a super track. Okay, let's move on to the main part of the show, which is the interview with Chris from Hidden Intent. Hidden Intent, of course, are from Adelaide in Australia. And I was delighted to sit down with Chris and our new co-host as well. So I better give a shout out straight away to Joe McGuigan of Gamma Bomb. He is joining the Metal Cell family. Joe brings a wealth of experience, having toured around 44 countries with Gamma Bomb and counting, he says anyway. So we'll have to believe him with that one. Okay, so let's open the interview with a hidden intent track. And this song is off their album Fear, Prey and Demise. And it's addicted to trash.
Hi, this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Chris from Hidden Intent and Joe, no stranger to the show, from Gamma Bomb. How are we, lads? Pretty good. Bloody beautiful, mate. Uh, to put it into context, uh, Chris, you are just after rolling out of the cot at what time? Half six, is it? Yeah, that's right. Got up nice and early, 5.30. So, uh, yeah, fresh as a daisy, mate. Yeah, fair play to you. And I want to give a shout out as well to Sesson from Ireland Metalheads as well. He taught me about your band. So, um, yeah, and, no, thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, Joe, any news with you lately? Not much, man. Just um, sent the, sent the Gambom album off for mixing um, today. Good. So I say your man, James Oren, the guy who did the, um, did the last Warbringer and Machine Head and stuff, he's going to do. Do the mix one. Oh, on fuck one. it. Okay. I don't think you said that the last time. That's new. I was probably probably in the works or whatever. Um, yeah. Like the new label just wanted us to try a different producer. We've been using the same guy, uh, Scott Atkins, for like 10 years. So we just thought, let's try someone else. Mm, well, actually, definitely. we didn't really say that. The label said, <laughs> yeah, have to try somebody else, you know. And I believe you're recording too, Chris, is it? Yeah, yeah, we're doing our third album now, so um, same deal. We've got a, uh, a new mixer. We're using the guy, a guy called Teddy Moller. He did um, FKU's um, Brilliant. albums. Yep. So, uh, yeah, he did a single for us, and it sounds killer, so we're using him for the whole album. But it's funny you say the Warbringer guy, because we were going to use him um, yeah. for this club, but my guitarist was, like, super picky about, like, um, guitar sounds and didn't want to use him in the end. So we stuck with Teddy. It's funny, isn't it? Like, it's just sometimes whenever like a band like that, because it's a band decision, like, you know, you can be offered Ed Repka or something. You're like, oh my God, let's do it. And there's one guy who's like, no, I don't, I don't really yeah. like his artwork. Yeah. You're like, what the hell are you talking about? It's interesting that both of you released um, singles as well through this uh, COVID-19 lockdown period. Yes. Actually, you guys, Gamma Bomb, actually uh, stole our idea. No. <laughs> um, we released a lockdown video for our cover of um, Pub Feed by The Chats. I don't know if you guys know that. Brilliant. Band. Brilliant. Uh, we did yeah. like a metal cover. And um, just when we were about to let release a lockdown video, that I saw the Gamma Bomb video and I was like, damn it. <laughs> but no, okay, every actually, other the, um, It's funny the Acid Rain uh, H is on because they did the same thing. They had like a, they had like a, a video where they were living in lockdown and pretty much doing exactly the same thing. I think all of us like medium <laughs> intelligence bands had the same idea all at the same time. Yeah. We're like, wait a minute, I have a brilliant idea. You know? <laughs> No, yours was really cool though, man. Like, I liked how you had your uh, mascot guy in there. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'd be seeing more of him, Joel, we? 
Yeah, he's going to be on the cover of the next album, hanging about, doing bits and bobs. So um, we're trying to, I know, like it seems like that kind of thing's getting more popular again, you know, having a bit of a, a bit of something. Like, I don't know if you guys know, but there was a while in the early 90s when Exodus had a dude like that. Uh, they had like a big mascot called Rex who was on the cover of all their T-shirts and stuff like that. Like he, he kind of had like a big half-melted face and stuff. Jesus, no, I don't. Yeah, it's kind of like, they don't really talk about it too much, but yeah, that was a, a big deal for a while, like 1990, around Impact is Imminent sort of time. Oh, okay, yeah, I was I was going to say that in Force of Habit, uh, another weird album cover there as well. I think that's the one album that Gary Holt said he'd re-record, yeah. if, he, if he was given a chance. Um, well, like, I, you know, that's the whole thing about doing this chat, isn't it? Like, you know, we're all here primarily as like, big thrash fans you know Absolutely, and that's yeah. you know that's the, like talking about albums like force of habit is the reason to do this so it's like totally we like we really appreciate it though like back in the day being you know huge fans hearing that album and being like oh my god this is like this isn't we didn't like it anyway you know there was a couple of good mm. songs like feeding time at the zoo yeah brilliant yeah that one it was kind of like easy to see where a lot of those bands made their mistakes you know and I'm sure you probably guys probably thought the same, Chris, where you're like first hearing those records and being like, wait a minute, the good ones are all finished now, you know? Yes, yeah, classic Rush albums. Like, uh, I'm a huge Mortal Sin fan. I don't know if you listen to Mortal Sin. Yeah, said. Uh, I love Mortal Sin. So, yeah, when I first formed Hidden Intent, I pretty much wanted to base it off like Mortal Sin and our coroner, the whole three piece Rush Metal mm. band vibe. Yep. So, yeah. Are, what's the story with those lads? Are they still together or are they just waiting for a reunion tour? Um, actually, we were like really lucky last year. We played a festival in Sydney called uh, Steel Assassins. I recommend if you can, yeah, check it out. It's fucking awesome if you make your way down to Australia. Um, and uh, Matt Mora, the singer of Mortal Scene, oh, he obviously lives there. And uh, I've been hitting him up for ages being like, dude, come up and do a song with us. Just one song. We'll do I Am Immortal and I'll leave you alone forever. I promise. <laughs> and then he was like, uh, for some reason with this show, he was like, oh, how about we do three songs? And I'm like, cool. Yes. And we got a, and for another, from another band, uh, Matreya, we got their guitarist to do the second guitar duties. Nice. And uh, yeah, we did uh, Women in Leather, I Am Immortal and... Um, Lebanon, no? If you don't say Lebanon. Another song of Despair. I can't remember oh, what it was, it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, Voyage of the Disturbed. Right. Yeah, so we did those three songs. But um, apparently, they're Mortal Sin, they're trying to figure stuff out because they, they really want to play the Aussie download. And I know they'll get it back together to play that if they'll offer the opportunity. Cool. Yeah. But him and the bass player just fight a lot. I think I saw them at, um, I think I saw them at Headbangers Open Air in like 2008 or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But we were big fans yeah. of, um, is it is the second album Face of Despair, is it? Or Correct. what's it called? Yeah, Face of Despair. Um, and it's got the uh, your man playing drums on it, isn't it? The comedian dude who uh, went on to have like a career in comedy. Oh, yeah. Um, what's his name? Oh, I know the Yes, yes, correct. Yeah. yeah, he's awesome. I went and saw him last year with his stand up. He's so funny. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, that's amazing. But was he on the first album as well, Mahemic Destruction? I'm not sure if he's on Face of Despair, but he might be on Mahemic Destruction. I think that could be. I yeah, he's definitely on either, either one of those albums. Yeah. yeah. But I, I'll yeah. never forget when that came out. Uh, my buddy got it and again just passed it on through um, an old copy 
know, TDK or Maxwell 90 uh, tape. Mm. And um, we were just blown away, especially that song, um, The Battle of Lebanon, that guitar. Yep. My God. Like, you know, and yeah. there was a full-page full ad in a Metal Hammer or one of those, or maybe it was Kerrang! at the time for the album. And there's a quote from Bernard Doe, who was the guy from Metal Forces, and it said, this is the best debut album since Kill 'Em All. So Jesus, high praise. Yeah, wow. it was like a big, it was a big deal. Like whenever I came out, people were like, oh my God, this is, and maybe it was kind of probably overhyped a little bit so that, yeah. you know, they didn't really have, legs although they did tour europe you know with an annihilator and stuff like that i think around 1990 yeah, they they yeah and soundgarden or something like that yeah they got some killer shows and uh headbangers open air it's funny because we played headbangers open air last year and he was just matt was in my ear about it like you're gonna have the best time and rah 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 and yeah he was right it's like the funnest show I've ever played so it's great yeah. it's an amazing festival and it's like yeah. it's, it's a brilliant like I love that about those kind of German fests that you know there's these bands that you know you thought you would absolutely never ever get to see and you know you yeah get to see. that's great yeah especially bands from South America Australia other bands do you know the lads from New Zealand as well oh, Alien Weaponry or? Alien Weaponry yeah yeah, we've supported them last year in Adelaide. My uh, my girlfriend's a mass. She's she's half Kiwi, so she's like a massive fan of them. I'm not heaps into them. I think they're good at what they do. Potential. But, um, they're, they're certainly not thrashed. I don't know why people no. keep saying Maori thrash. They're like they're like Soulfly to me. But mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, we supported them last year, and uh, yeah, that, that was right before they were about to support Slayer in Europe. Oh, wow. and uh, I was so jealous. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, like now you can't play with yeah. what kind of crowds are they pulling? Um, it was pretty good. Like, I'm, I'm from Adelaide, which is like a, a small version of Melbourne, a little mm-hmm. brother to Melbourne. Um, they pulled on a Thursday night about 200 heads, 200 oh, yeah. payers, which is pretty good for a Thursday night. You know, you probably only get if it was a Saturday, you might have got 300, 350. So that's great. You know, there's yeah, like cool. there's a lot of bands out there, like Destruction and stuff like that, who wouldn't be able to pull numbers like yeah. that on a Thursday night, you know? So yeah, it's kind of like. Destruction and then it was like, you know, one, 100, 150 if you were lucky, and in a massive venue that was way too big. Yeah. But um, yeah. See, the problem is, is really like, like, especially Destruction are like a good example because. Like you, Richie, uh, like how many times have you seen them, man? Like you must have seen them. I'd say like eight, been to nine Ireland. times. Like they've been to Ireland so many times. It's like, you know, even if you're a hardcore fan, you've totally, you've totally been there, done that, you know? Hmm. I think they did get interesting again when they turned into a four piece there. No more than Sodom as well. They turned into a four piece and we went, oh, we have to see him <laughs> as a four piece. <laughs> you're always yeah, hoping like, that they'll revisit some of the older stuff as a four piece, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Pink Panther theme and in the mood and stuff. Sang it back to him. Sang it back to him <laughs> one stage while they were in the kind of changing room. They got a great kick out of that. Two of us singing along to that, humming it in a acapella. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lads, such fanboys. Um, what about yep. your place now, Chris? At the moment, is it opening up yet for venues or is there any? Yeah, um, again, really lucky uh, where I'm from, South Australia, like uh, our COVID cases have stopped now. So um, there hasn't been any new cases for like, I think it's been about a month now. Um, so yeah, venues are starting to reopen. We're playing a gig 
on uh, August the 7th um, and uh, we're the only band playing on the night. It's more of like a welcome back show. So it's like uh, certain band members doing um, like DJ guest, guest spots and then we're playing and doing a video shoot. So should be cool. I'm a little nervous though, because we haven't played any like a show since like March. So oh, that's Adelaide Rise, is it? Is that what it's termed? Is that the title? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah, he's obviously a massive Sepultura fan, the promoter, so. <laughs> <laughs> as, as we all are. Um, did anybody hear their new album, actually? Yep. Great album, isn't I it? I haven't heard Very, very good. Like, you know, really, like, I think they, they were doing experimental on, like, you know, kind of proggy stuff for such a long time mm. um, that they just wanted to do something that was very thrashy, and it's great. It's like, it's easily the best thing they've ever done with uh, with Derek. I think so too. Jesus, yeah. I, I was wondering, would you give it that praise? I literally said the same to a few mates. It's one of their best ones yet. Yeah. Well, to be honest, man, like, we, we, um, we toured with Soulfly and toured with Sepulchre, you know, and Sepulchre were way, way, way better, you know, just in terms of the amount that they were putting into the show and stuff. Mm. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I suppose, like, some people kind of look at it as in being like, we're not getting, you know, the reunion that we all really want out of it, but what do you do? Like, I think that time's kind of passed. It's the same as Skid Row. It's like, you know, 15 years ago, it would have been brilliant. It's like, you know, the Expendables, if that had made it in like 1994, <laughs> we would have lost our shit. Whereas now we're just like, yeah. The Expendables. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck Norris, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they don't just get back together, man, and just do one reunion show, just one. And you know, they're like, they're all alive. I missed. I missed the only chance I could have seen him as the classic four piece back in the day because I was fucking, I think I had like pneumonia or something like that. I was goosed anyway, I couldn't go. But uh, I never got to see that classic lineup, unfortunately. So I can understand why you'd want it. But again, I, I'm not sure. I think, as as you said, Joe, that boat has sailed, really. Imagine if it's shit. My mum says the same story about the Beatles all the time. She's always talking about, you know, being 14 and her mum not letting her go and see the Beatles. So I think it's just every every generation has a story like that where they're like, oh, man, mm. I missed that gig, you know. Have you, you saw the classic lineup, Joe, did you? No. No? Yeah, Jesus, that's three of us then. I thought my, maybe you might have. Because they did the Cavalera Conspiracy Arise, didn't they? Or was it which one? Yeah, they played that. For yeah, like basically, the Cavalier brothers have went out and done a few of those albums mm. and stuff. Um, but again, that's the kind of thing is that like, um, like Max used to be a really insane guitar player, you know, and now like he just he doesn't really play the guitar at all. No. So like, it's a yeah. different, a different kind of representation of those albums. So if you listen to Beneath the Remains, their live version of it, it doesn't really sound. And have you got any idea why he doesn't play the guitar anymore? Lazy, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> Lazy, dude. Although I, saw I would say that all yeah. day fucking long. But um, I was just seeing if Joe was going to be politically correct, because, you know, there could be points where you could overlap with them, you know? When we were growing up, it was like a, a joke, which was like, how do you hide a 20 pound note from Max Cavalier? Put it under a bar of soap. <laughs> No, like we've had like very brief talks to Max, and he was like, he was cool, but his entire entourage and everyone in the Soulfly crew were all dicks, and they went out of their way to kind of make doing the gigs difficult, you know. And oh. there was some of the gigs we did where it was like us 
Exodus Overkill and then Soulfly Headline and, and they tried to make life for Overkill and Exodus difficult as well. So Wow. Some bands are just our souls and some aren't. And like I said, I'm not leveling that against Max. Like anytime I said low to him, he was okay, but his wife and everyone else was a bit of a dickhead, you know? Yeah. And they have, what's the guitarist with him? Mark Rieslow, he's some guitarist, lads, isn't he? He's so good. He makes up for Max's playing for sure. Yeah, he's like, du- it's double duty there, isn't he? He just, just played two guitars at the same time. He probably could do it, you know? Mm. Hey, Fanjo? Um, I don't. I honestly don't know any. Like, I probably heard the first Soulfly album in like the late '90s, but I wouldn't know anything else, or even any of the Cavalier. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, between a few of us, we we always pick up either Soulfly or Cavalier. Um, yeah. Well, a lot of people tell me that there's some brilliant. It's not like even like it's kind of maybe near like exploited version of thrash. It's kind of like a punky thrash stuff that they've been doing. But I don't know, man. Does mm. he listen to different sorts of music? I think yeah. you need to get, get that sort of thing young enough to want to give it a crack. Yeah, I thought the last time I saw um, uh, the Cavalier, what was it, Beneath the Rise, when they were doing the Beneath the Remains tour, mm-hmm. um, they did one in Australia. Um, and I thought Max Cavalier, that's the best I've seen him play. He was actually really? playing guitar. And yeah, it was actually really good. And um, You've sure. got an interesting... Um gig coming up in february next year chris uh dri and hyrax yeah yeah i'm super pumped about that <laughs> if they'll, if australia will allow bands from the us we'll see but um we we're supposed to support sacred reich and violence um this month actually but that's been postponed again so yeah um i hope it goes ahead because i love dri and hyrax we're trying to do the whole tour not just adelaide but we'll see how that goes yeah how difficult is it to get on the likes of these gigs is there much competition out there for you as a a, in the trash scene itself in australia in adelaide where we're from we're lucky because we're like currently we're the only real like thrash band um there's a couple of others but they're not as active um, whereas if we were in Melbourne, we wouldn't get any supports because you've got Harlot, you've got Mouse's Wake, you've got Desecrator, you've got you're up against the big the big guns, you know. So um, being from a small town sometimes has its advantages, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. So, but getting national support is really hard because the promoters rely a lot on local support selling tickets in each town. Okay, yeah, makes sense. They don't want to do national supports because obviously our following in Sydney isn't going to be the same as a band, a local band in Sydney. So, Can you sympathise with that, Joe? Um, Yeah, look, I I think that for sure, especially somewhere like Australia, I think that um, just even the cost of getting between the gigs, you know, if you're like going to do the major cities in Ireland or England, like when we did the first... Uh, tour support and exodus we got the bus between all the gigs you know like the mega bus or whatever but you can't really do that in australia you know you mean the bus for hours so but yeah i think that's what there's definitely a lot to be said for again whenever we did that sepulcher tour we were getting paid 50 quid a night because you know sepulcher were like you should just be happy to be doing the gig you know mm. so like i think that's the case a lot of the time they're just like it's a good good idea to get locals, and if you if you're gonna get bands, get buy on bands, you know. So. Speaking of bands, uh, you sported one of my favorite bands of all time, Dark Angel. Or yeah. Did both of you actually? Did you? Did you? No, I, I wish I had. I'm gonna nerd out asking Chris how awesome they were. <laughs> I had the uh, pleasure of driving Mr. Gene Hoagland as well. It was oh, so cool because uh, the promoter for that tour, um, he does all the thrash tours in Australia. 
and uh, he's a good good mate of mine. He does our merch as well, so he prints our merch and puts on tours and I help him with like roadie work. I've, I've drove around Graham Bonnet and yeah, when we picked up Dark Angel, Gene Hogan went straight into my van and I was like, oh my God. And um, my dog, like, because we had three vehicles, my girlfriend uh, drove my car with my little French bulldog and he, um, just to take, um, yeah, the promoter and his wife so we could have more room in the vans. And uh, yeah, Gene went straight up to my dog and started patting it. And I was like, I wish I got a photo of that, of him just like casually patting my dog and put it on social media. It would have been the fucking best thing ever. But I stupidly was just like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> what kind of crowds do they get? Like, because uh, I guess they were doing a headliner tour in Oz, right? Yeah, Dark Angel. Um, yeah, it was just a headliner tour, just them on their own with local supports in each city. Oh, and they had King Parrot support them as well um, for uh, just the East Coast, I believe. Um, yeah. yeah, it was about, yeah, band like Dark Angel, they're probably going to only pull between 200 and 300 people per night. Yeah. yeah. And then That's the small good. club shows, which is not bad for like our population. It's not terrible. You know, I think, man, that's kind of always been, you know, the case. You know, I, I guess like maybe in the early 90s in Europe, they were probably pulling like 500 people. But yeah, I don't reckon sense. that they, like a lot of their headlining shows at any stage really would have been over 300 anywhere, you know. Yeah, maybe Melbourne 350, 400. Melbourne is the capital of thrash yeah. in Australia. So that always pulls the best. But um, having said that, sometimes because they have their sport for choice, sometimes other uh, cities do better. So yeah. you can never pick it. It's how much you money know, it's, people have. It's a, it's a kind of funny thing, man. Like Australia and Ireland are both very similar in the sense that, like, fre frequently you'll get bands going over to your part of the world but not coming to your country, right? So. Like a lot of the time you, like I'm sure you remember growing up, Richie, you get a lot of bands coming to England, but they wouldn't come to Ireland. It'd be the same. You get a lot of bands coming to Japan, but you know, they don't go to Australia, you know. It is what it is. You just have to travel to those bands, really, you know. Yep. That was probably like the first time I went away to see all those big bands like Metallica and stuff was all, you know, getting the coach over to London to go and see them and mm. that kind of thing, you know. But realistically, <laughs> there's probably bands come in and they'll just play probably Melbourne and Sydney, and you'll have to travel up to see them, Chris, obviously. Yeah, no, there is tours that come. I think it was uh, Avantasia. I'm not a big fan, but Avantasia, bands like that, the real power metal -y stuff, they'll only do um, Melbourne and Sydney. Like, that's it. And yeah, how far away is that from me? Or for me to get to Melbourne is an eight-hour drive, so it's basically Jesus. a day at work. It's not too bad. But then Sydney, Sydney's a big drive. That's like fourteen to sixteen hours. Yeah, might yeah. as well be in England. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I saw Dark Angel twice. You know, obviously, of Hellfest, Chris. That was the reason why we went there, just to see Dark Angel. We didn't give a fuck about anything else. Anything else on the bill was a bonus. We just went there. I'll never forget it. We were waiting anyway up on, up on the hill for them to come on the stage. And I noticed that Timmy had gone missing, you know. I was looking around going, where the fuck is he? And I, of course, checked the bar, no sign of him. Here he came through the crowd anyway, wearing a fucking Dark Angel t-shirt, a brand new one. I went, what the fuck, man? Where'd you get that? And he goes, uh... I kind of got it down there. Because where? Going, fuck, it's probably after selling out already. Legged it down, frantically looking for the T-shirt, you know, amongst 
probably 80 or 90 different, you know, t-shirts of bands that were playing and eventually found it. And it was just a special one that they made. Just, it had the Dark Angel logo with the blue, white and red for France. And then the the thing on the back. Collector's item. And uh, so we we actually thought then that that was it. You know, they were finished in Europe. And then they played um, Bloodstock. Uh, yeah, and they played like somewhere up in, up in Glasgow, in the Lord, yeah. Lords of the Whatever Fest. I don't know, like I, I somehow I've missed them. I, I've never seen them, man. And like they're one of the bands that I would love to see. But like again, like to be honest, I see when they announced the reunion, they kind of mm. announced it with Don Dotty, and I was like, oh my god. And then it was like Ron Reinhardt, and like I guess like a lot of people, you know, Ron Reinhardt is the singer of the band, but. I obviously nerded out immediately. It's like, oh, I'd love to see them with Don Dotty, you know, though. Yeah, probably Ron Reinhardt, probably more so for me. I know Don yeah. Dotty, a lot of lads like him as well, you know, but Ron would be the main man for me because Leave Scars is just unbelievable album. Yeah, he's got such a cool voice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I got yeah, to drive There's probably a few bands, lads, that you haven't seen. What would be your top four or five? Let you let you go first there, Chris, while I try and think of them. I'd love to see a band called Anacrusis. You've heard of Anacrusis, yeah? No, never heard of them. Ooh, there's one for you now. Anacrusis, Suffering Hour, their debut album um, from America. Incredible. Ken Nardi, it's Pink Floyd-ish with trash. It's unreal. Suffering Hour, yeah. So that's one for me there. (laughs) Hey, I'd love to see. I'd like to see Gamma Bomb, man. I've I've, I've seen Lich King. We've toured with Lich King everywhere, and I know Gamma Bomb, Lich King. That's kind of kind of similar. I love I love the smaller, uh, more underground thrash bands. Personally, I love to, but they're so hard to get to Australia. Like so hard to. I know. I know that it's very difficult to to do that. So yeah, to see that, I'd love to see. Oh man, you put me on the spot now. It's funny when you've been put on the spot, you don't know. You know what I mean? It's like. And after this, I'll be like, oh, there's like fucking a whole <laughs> list. Oh, Evil. I'd love to see Evil. Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah. They hit Cork. No, I saw them in Dublin, actually. Um, I can't yeah. remember who, who. I think Onslaught were with them as well. Onslaught. I'd love, I'm a huge Onslaught fan. And then they're putting out a new track this Friday. And I can't wait because the last track was unbelievable. So bloody good. Yeah, yeah, but that. man, they got rid of got rid of Sai Keeler, the singer, man. Like the new guy's pretty fucking good, man. I'm gonna give him credit. He is fucking smashing it, and I think I he's think, doing. I think it'll, it'll, it'll for sure sound like very, you know, like aggressive. And I think that's the thing that they want to do is like have a super kind of in your face aggressive like sort of thing. Um, like I'm such an old 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 guy about onslaught. I probably didn't really enjoy any of the albums that they did since they got back together. But like I love I love the band and like they're a great band. I tell you what, you know who I've never seen that I would love to have seen? Uh, Laz Rocket. They're one of the those guys. Um, I'd love to see Living Death. Um, oh yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah, Living Death. I don't know. Like literally, man. Three see through going to all those kind of like headbanger things. I think I've like seen most of. Most of the bands I'd like to see, you know. Mm. I see. I can't fucking remember because you just get shit faced, unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> you, you have the ticket stop, and you're going. I can't fucking remember. Fuck I was sake. there. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> but mm, another band I'd love to see as well, and Joe, you know, Evil Dead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One, one, I've one heard really of them. They're, they're pretty cool, from what I've heard. Evil Dead. They're pretty bloody good. Yeah. Yeah, Future Shock. <laughs> Um, we kind of we grew up being like big fans of Agent Steel and stuff, and um, 
like nerding out uh, whenever we were over in America and stuff on tour. We got to hang around with Juan, and he was just like very, very nice dude. Like you know, just really friendly. And like he's in body count now, so like for for Bledham, he's off having yeah. a great time. Like you know. Yeah, that's pretty cool as well. The body count. Did you it with uh, your man out of Power Trip? Yeah. Right. I'm nearly sure I saw body count as well. I think that was at a festival as well. I think they did play. <laughs> they did play in Ireland back in like you know ninety ninety three ish time. Like you know, but I for sure haven't seen them. Yeah. What about merchandising, Chris? That obviously comes hand in hand with the new album. Have you looked into it yet? Have you got a team to the album? As in, like uh, having new merch items? Is that what you mean? Yeah. And uh, have you got a kind of a team? with the new songs as well? Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's songs. We we actually wrote the songs for this album really quickly because we went away. Um, we get really distracted with our personal lives, as you do. And uh, we went away and just wrote five songs in one weekend. Like we just got away where there was like no internet, like fully out in the sticks. And uh, yeah, it was the best thing we ever did. Like. Um, you know, not being able to contact anyone and just purely focus on the music and drink heaps of beer. <laughs> so, works. Um, but yeah, merch, I do all the merch stuff. I um, try and come up with designs that fit our music, the whole Aussie thrash thing. So the drop bear and uh, yeah, we, we talk about it as a group, but yeah, generally I lead most of it. So the, yeah. Would you work with a particular artist a lot? Yeah, I use this guy, um, All Things Rotten. Um, he's somewhere in Europe. Uh, he charges really fair. Um, I've used him for a lot of designs. And I use a guy, a local guy in Adelaide to do more of the Aussie stuff, like the drop bear and things like that. Like he's done my tattoos, like my personal tattoos. This is a Lich King tattoo, by the way. Cool, but, uh, cool. Yeah, because uh, we toured with them so many times. They're like our brothers. So he did this tattoo as well. So he's just a good mate of mine. I like getting local guys if I can, because then it's nice to have that personal relationship. Absolutely. And what does get a dog up Yeah, mean? <laughs> it means like, cheers, scull your beard. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, get a dog up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, our drummer said it one day when we were in Japan, we were playing with a... Uh, we played Truth Rush first. Have you played that, um, Joe? Yep, I think so. Yeah, I thought you yep. did. Um, yeah, we were, were hanging out there and Paul, our drummer, started saying, and I'm like, what does that mean? Because he's from the country, our drummer. He's like super Australian. And uh, <laughs> yeah, get a dog up. Yeah, I'm like, fuck. And now we start saying it. It's become like our catchphrase. It's really weird. You could put it on a T-shirt, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. We'll have, we'll have that soon, actually, on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a catchphrase for your band? Like, do you have like a slogan or? We used something? to like. Um, it used to be faster is gooder, and then it became uh, more about less ideas. <laughs> and then I don't know. Like, um, <laughs> we I, like it used to be like thrash, like it's eighty six, and like you know it was time to thrash, like it's eighty six, and like I don't know. Like it's not like that necessarily. You feel embarrassed by like a lot of like early lyrical output, but it's like those are like the most honest you know, honest lyrics you're ever going to write or like whenever you're just having those kind of pure being a thrash head kind of thoughts, like, you know, and I find it's really hard to kind of, we've always said, oh man, I'd love to write another song about thrashing or, you know, a song about, you know, being in the pit and stuff. And like me and you were talking about this, Richie, last time, it's like whenever you find yourself at the back away from the pit, it's kind of harder to do without being a bit like facetious about it or whatever, but 
Yeah, like that's what we used to always have like fresh, like it's 86 on the back of our t-shirts and stuff. Uh, you know, you guys are Slitch King. They're, we are at the end of the day and I'm happy to admit it, like we're throwback bands. You know, I don't know if you feel that yeah. way, Joe, but yeah, like I'm happy to admit it because that's, yeah, it's what we are because we love thrash yeah, metal. See, you know, it's a weird thing though, like it's a weird thing, Chris, though, because like there's a stigma attached to it in thrash music that isn't necessarily attached to it in other genres so like if you're a band like gruesome who are playing like death metal in a kind of very 1990 1988 style people don't really look at it in the same way you know like i think there's a lot there's a lot more give and take if you're a band trying to do 80s rock or 70s metal whereas if you're a band doing 80s thrash they're kind of like this has already been done you know but the thing is you make music that you want to make like you know like it would probably make you extremely upset if you tried to make an album that sounded like you know low by testament or you know the ritual by testament or whatever you know so as well keep on doing what you want to do you know you're not like i think back in the day a lot of bands used to be forced into directions because of money and stuff and if you accept the premise that there's no money in it then you can make the right decisions a lot easier you know I think that's a great point. Ultimately, it's your fans that are going to tell you if you're going in the wrong direction. You know, yeah. you'll actually have someone say it at a gig or you'll recognize it in just sales, just dropping off for no reason. You know, fans won't buy it, you know. And like talking to the guys from Zentrix and stuff, they were very much like that. They didn't like they knew that they wanted to do something different to try and reinvigorate themselves, but they didn't realize that they were kind of gonna ruin their you know their old fan base as it were you know mm. with uh, with doing something like that so i don't know it, it is it's a kind of tough one like i think as long as you're artistically happy with what you're doing you know then why should you stop and like in a very anthropod way we've always said we want to be like a thrash metal acdc and bring out you know albums that are similar quality instead of you know like oh you know here's the wild card album you know the force yeah. a habit kind of album which you haven't done yet yet yet, yet. <laughs> <laughs> we are as comfortable as a three piece chris have you played around with the second guitarist syndrome no like when i met uh our guitarist phil he was in like a um, hard rock kind of van halen kind of style band and um that, that they were a one guitar band as well and uh yeah, when I when we talked about maybe getting a second guitarist, yeah, he was like, nah, I'm not really down for that. So I just put heaps of distortion on my bass. So it's kind of like a, you know, the three-piece coroner thing, but more motorhead style, like in terms of the, um, you know, the bass having lots of distortion, particularly live, because i got to fill out that low end. So yeah, I don't know. We just always looked at another member as like another opinion, another plane ticket, another seat in the car we don't have. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. And it's just like, we, the three of us already are so hot headed. I think if we had another guy in there, it would like be cool for ideas. But I think in the, in, in retrospect, I think it would, uh, yeah, cause, cause more damage than good, you know, harm than good. I think though you guys, because you have a great guitar player, you know, it, whenever you have one brilliant dude, it's easier to do the three piece, you know? And I think yeah, that's why like Sodom worked with like Frank Blackfire or, you know, Destruction with Mike because he was good enough to kind of carry the whole show kind of like that. So like um, for, certain, for sure you see a lot of thrash bands where they have two guitar players because, you know, they really need two guitar players to kind of do, do one guitar player's work, you know? Yeah, I mean, we're doing a cover of uh, on our new album, um, 
keep this on the hush now, um, of a Slayer Ultra Sacrifice because we play that every gig, you know. We've been playing yes. it for ages and uh, Phil does all the solos in it, you know. Cool. And he's really good at like, you know, getting into Hanneman mode and getting into Kerry King mode and just, yeah, he's so good at complementing both guitar playing styles, you know. Um, as bass players, what kind of gear do you use, lads? Have you changed much over the years? I'm using a Fender uh, for this album, and it was like a fucking total pain in the ass, man. Like I've been using like Charvels for dunk like years and years and years, and I got so used to playing them. I did a lot of the demos for this album on a Fender Jazz, and it sounded really, really cool. I was like, oh, this is great. But whenever it came down to the you know recording of the album, it was just like so hard to kind of play. The neck was a lot more difficult, so. Like, I'm glad I used it. It's got a really cool tone, but um, I'm certainly going to be going back to Charbel Town. Um, aside from that, just I'm sure probably use something similar. Uh, Sam's amps, you know, really, really, really great preamp. Very lazy. Yeah, I used to use a Charbel actually. Um, on the Addicted to Thrash single, I used a Charbel, but I just found um, it would just, it uh, just didn't have that clank that I really like. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I, sw I swapped to a Yamaha BB because okay. uh, James Lomenzo from Megadeth, I loved his tone. And yeah. um, that's what he was using. And I found one in the guitar shop for like half price. And right. it was just sitting there. And the guy was like, yeah, no one buys these because they're so goofy looking. But <laughs> I, uh, I started playing it and I just fell in love with it. And it, to me, it sounded better than like a Fender Deluxe. I played a Fender Deluxe, which was like two grand Australian. And then I played a Yamaha, which was like 900 bucks. And to me, the Yamaha had more bite on it. So I use a Yamaha BB through a Dark Glass M900 head. Mm. Cool. And, and yeah, do, you play with a, do you play with a pick or? Yeah, fingers. Pick. Yeah. You with pick or fingers? Pick, yeah. I'm still trying to yeah, learn Billy, she Billy Shane's kind of 16th. 16th. <laughs> too hard to do. You need to, be a, need to be a Scientologist to know how to do that. Hey. I love Dave Elson and Lemmy. They're like two of my favorite players. So nothing yeah. wrong with a pig. My drummer wants me to use a pig, but I'm just like, no, I'm too, too Cliff Burton. You know what I mean? Nah, you don't need to, man. You know, it's like, I think once you have that, like two of the best bass players ever, as you said, Cliff Burton and Frank Bello in thrash, you know, mm -hmm. playing with their fingers and it sounded amazing, you know? So there's certainly no reason to play with a pick if you don't, if you don't like doing it or if you don't want, I'd love to play it more with my fingers and Gambon, but like, it's just cause it's all so fast and we got used to doing it that way. So, you know, whenever yeah, you get old, yeah. you just, you want to stick to what you know, kind of like, I suppose. And would both of you write stuff on guitar as well? Yeah, pretty much loads. Yeah. Like, I, I, like in the past, I would like write a lot of, this is probably the most democratic Gambon album we've made in like since the first album tend to be like a lot of my stuff and um i always always do stuff on guitar you know again the classic bass player thing of like p being able to play the guitar well enough to know that you can't play the guitar well enough you know it's like, <laughs> i can play it but i know that i'm not good enough so yeah i can't play guitar to save my life dude like yeah I, that's why i play bass and um yeah i started playing guitar I tried to learn like pantera riffs and i just sucked and everyone in my um, high school in my that was playing an instrument were playing guitar. So I was like, I'm going to play bass. But then when I write riffs on the bass, sometimes if I, sometimes I can't play a riff that's in my head. Do you get that, Joe? Yep. Yeah, so I just hum it out. I, I find it so much easier to hum it out to my guitarist. And Phil is really good at that. Like, I can just go, 
do, 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 do. And he'll just go, oh, do you mean this? And I'm like, yes. That's exactly. I mean. So that's what I do now. Michael Jackson and Madonna, neither of them ever played uh, like any instruments. And they used to just walk around with dictaphones and then just tell people how to play it. And there's no difference between going do, 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 do and playing it on a bass. So <laughs> it doesn't make any difference. It's like, it's still the same idea, you know. But is that enough to get um, a writer's credit on a, an album? Well, it's all melody, isn't it? You know? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, it is melody. I mean, like I say, I mean, addicted to thrash, I always say that I wrote the middle part, but yeah, I, I literally just hummed it to Phil <laughs> and he played it. But I mean, he's happy to say that I wrote it, so I don't know. <laughs> I often wondered about that, you know, I play bass myself and uh, I just yep. love, I love it, just love the sound out of it. But would I swap it, be an expert guitar player? Mm, not really, I'd rather play piano if I could. Here's the thing Ooh. though. See, whenever you play, whenever you play the bass, you get to enjoy the gig because yeah. <laughs> you can kind of look at what everyone else is doing and drink beer and have a good time. Like if you're the drummer or the guitar player and the singer, if you fuck up, everyone's going to be like, it was him. You know, <laughs> if your bass player is like, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Rob out of the Exploited more or less said the same thing. Another great dude. Shout out to Rob. What a brilliant uh, band. Great, yeah. great band. I think the lads are pretty straightforward into their punk, but Rob likes stone or sludge, anything, dance, whatever. He's um, He was working the boards as well in uh, Edinburgh doing sound and stuff, so talented bloke. But it's interesting yeah. for a guy that we'll say isn't too gone on punk, but is in the exploited. Have you come across lads there in trash bands that they're not actually big time into trash metal as such, but yet they're in a trash band? Have you ever come across? Yeah, like like, that. guys like Alex from Bonded by Blood and stuff. Um, like now he was like he loves Exodus and stuff, but like he was like a guitar player first and foremost, and super into the shred, and you know worked at Guitar Center and like Ibanez, just dropping off free Ibanezes at his house all the time, you know. And like then he'd be like his second love was playing yo-yo and like. <laughs> doing yo-yo competitions and shit so i think the, like the more the more musically you get like the more you'll meet people like that you know like all drake is someone who's like a big massive muso but also kind of like you know is a big sepulcher fan or an annihilator fan and stuff so mm. sometimes you get people whenever they get so into music and music theory that they kind of they kind of just float off into frank zappa world law you know <laughs> Never to return. What about you, Chris? Would you understand that thing that sometimes lads are in bands and they're actually not even into the music? They're just there for the crack? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, the first thing I thought of was uh, our drummer. I mean, he's such a, a great player. And when we, on the first album, we had a guy that was more of a Black Sabbath kind of drummer. Um, he loved thrash, but I could tell that it wasn't his strongest point. Um, he was, I could, I could just see him as more of a stoner rock kind of guy. Mm. Um, and, and coincidentally he plays in like a punk band now, um, speaking of punk. Uh, but yeah, the new, the guy we've got now we've had for like five years when he tried out for us, I was, I said to him like, dude, why do you want to be with us for like, like you're so good. You should be playing. Um, he, he tried out for like a, a Aussie band called Alarum. I don't know if you know them. They're like a progressive kind of. Ne necrophages kind of style band and he can play that kind of stuff and i was like why do you want to play in a thrash band dude and he goes oh because i love metallica like i can play all that techie stuff but i, I my roots are metallica 
you know. And he's got a Justice for All tattoo on him. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. But he even says he has to dumb down his playing a bit to play with us. <laughs> but he likes it. I think he just likes being able the to crack, have yeah. beers, you know? Yeah. If you have a few drinks, still double yeah. kick, fine. You know, I think that's the thing when you play that more technical style of music, you've got to be really on point, you know? And it's kind of boring in a way. There's a, um, a band from Australia called Cauldron that we used to play with occasionally when we were on Eric and they were like a kind of a, kind of like, I guess, like sort of anvilish sort of band, you know, Canadian three-piece rock, like, you know, and they were a really good band, but their drummer was in like some really big, like, I remember talking to him and he's like, oh yeah, we're, we're doing some gigs supporting like David Bowie or it was so, like, it was somewhere you're like, holy shit, I think it was like Crystal Castles, he was in this other massive band. But he just said, you know, I'll, I'll just like playing, um, like playing rock music. So this is my side gig. You know, this is what he does in his downtime. Yeah, it's it's unusual. Like, I mean, the biggest example for me would be like Dave Grohl. You know, um, with Foo Fighters. I mean, you know, I don't know. Did any of you get that Probot album that he brought out? But I mean, like, he's a serious Celtic Frost fan. He knows his music. Like, and he likes his metal as well. Yeah, and like, dude, his drumming on that songs for the Death album. By oh, Queen's yeah. Age is like it's like Bonham worthy. It's pretty pretty amazing drumming, you know. Mm. No bother to the lad. Yeah, yeah. My girlfriend hates Dave Grohl. Don't even mention it to her. She's like, oh, Dave Grohl. And I, I, I hear this argument every time. Like he's one. He's an amazing musician. And she goes, yeah, he's only famous because he was in Nirvana. And I'm like, no, nah, I still think Foo Fighters have been just yeah. successful. Here's the thing, like, see, realistically, man, I think that the Foo Fighters now are probably, uh, like, just as big as Nirvana, where, you know, like... If, absolutely, if, yeah, you know, absolutely. If, if Foo Fighters announced a gig at Slane, Richie, they'd sell it out. Yep. You know, if Nirvana had done a gig in Slane in 1994, they wouldn't have sold it out, you know, so... Oh, I don't know. I'd say it'd be like close was, one. Yeah, Did they play Red Reading in 92? Yeah. Yeah. It's England, you know. <laughs> I suppose, like yeah, 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 yeah. Phil yeah. you need to, you need to pack in. Like, I'm, I don't know if you were at Guns N' Roses. It was completely follicle cheese. Like, it was. <laughs> I wouldn't go fucking there then. <laughs> no red, thanks. Red, red hair and check shirts everywhere. Look. Yeah, and sure, I, I avoided Metallica like the plague as well down Slane last year. Was it last year they played? I really wanted the Cure. were playing the same day, and I really wanted to go and see the Cure. But guess who was at the Cure? <laughs> Was it good? Uh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, yeah. I can't believe we're talking about the cure, but look, I tell you, I had, uh, do you know that setlist FM or setlist.com? Yeah. You know, it's always great, you know, when bands yes. are coming in, there's, you know, they'll have the list of songs that they're playing. So the last, I think the last gig that the cure played before Dublin was actually in Australia. They did a tour and I was looking at all the sets. So I was just like kind of going, Right, these are the set list of songs that they played for the last maybe two to three weeks. And I was there going, right, there's a four songs which are new, so I know I'm going to be at the bar for that or I can go for a piss. You know, that yep. kind of way, that was my logic the whole way through. And they came in and after the third song, you'd see Robert Smith turning around because the crowd were going mental. Like, and they fucking, he said something to the rest of the band and they just played their greatest hits. Yeah. Just like that. He made a decision and just went, no, this is, this is special. The sun was shining. Like, they're kind of like, um, it's sort of like, you know, like Bruce Springsteen or whatever. You're going to get like three hours of songs. They're going to play like 35 songs until you're really tired. 
Mm. And I think that was one of the reasons I wanted to go because it was like going to see Metallica, you know, there's like going to be five or six songs you don't like, which means that you're only going to get to hear like eight or nine songs that you do like. Whereas you go and see The Cure, you're going to probably hear like 20 or 22 songs that you like, you know. So We lost it there, Chris. Couldn't get a ticket, so oh well. But I did. Uh, I saw Metallica doing the S&M 2 thing in San Francisco oh. a couple of oh. months after that, and they were really good at that. Was that slain? They were a wee bit kind of, I don't know. It was like... That's where Hitfield fell off the wagon, by all accounts. Slain? Yeah, uh, well, after after Slane, they played Slane that day and they stuck around Ireland for another two or three days and he was seen drinking the black stuff. Well, apparently, you know, the, like whenever you see the dude in the normal touring regime, he looks really thin and like, you know, kick ass. And like whenever he starts looking a bit more, you know, bloated, the Wizard of Oz-ish kind of like it's like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know that he's back on back on the drink, but it's the same as like you know, Mustaine. It's like you know, you can tell whenever he's like in good form and sounds good, and then there's other times you're like, oh, Dave looks really bad. Like I'm sure, you know. So we were only talking about Mustaine there on the last podcast, and one of the lads made a great point. He said, if Metallica offered an Iron Maiden type a third guitarist, do you think Mustaine would join Metallica? They wouldn't ask him, man. <laughs> They'd ask somebody better. <laughs> but would you think he'd join him? Yeah, of course he would. Yeah, of course he would. He would. Wouldn't he? Yeah, of course he could. He'd, he'd, like, dude, in a second. And <laughs> if they asked him to fill in for guitar instead of John Marshall in 1991 or 1986, he would have been there in a second. I kind of look at it now and still go, the man will never get over it. And like, is it Yannick? Jurors is it with Iron Maiden, yeah. and then I thought Aiden Smith would never come back, and then yeah. he came back. But I think that's a, like the Dave problem is just that like the band that he left became the biggest band in the world or got kicked out of. <clears throat> so like that's the problem, and then the other problem is it's just like you know what la- metalheads and people are like in general life. If Dave Mustaine's walking down the street, people are going to be all like Metallica, <laughs> you know. It's, yeah, it probably hasn't been easy to forget. So. But at the same time, I think that like I thought the last uh, Metallica album was really good, mm-hmm. and I think that the next Megadeth album has the potential to be good. So, last Anthrax album was good. Those guys still have some petrol in the tank. So yeah, I think uh, like as much as we're I'm slagging them off, like you know, I still think that there's some good work to be done. Like, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think it's Dystopia was a great album. I mean, like, uh, there were a few tracks on there that sound a lot like Hangar 18, but yep. um, but I still thought it was a great record. You know, it's it's amazing that they can keep doing that. You know, but uh, uh, Mustaine, yeah, I, I got I feel I feel for him. You know, like people know um, that the whole Metallica thing gets to him, but at the same time, because of the way he reacts to Metallica, he's kind of like put himself in the spotlight in that regard. It's okay. like, don't leave, he's left himself wide open for all that. So, yeah. of course, people are going to be like, which other girl, when they, you know what I mean? It's like, don't make it so obvious that that affects you, you know? Yeah, be, co- be cool about it. And that's the thing, like, I'm yeah. sure, I don't know if you all agree, but, like, for me, Megadeth are 10 times the band, Metallica, I love Megadeth. Like, I agree. If I had to pick, I would pick Megadeth, and I'm a huge Cliff Burton fan, but for me, I don't know, I just prefer... Uh, a huge Megadeth songs. I'm just a big Megadeth fan than Metallica. Yeah, you know? and like for me, like I think Master of Puppets is probably the best Rush album ever. And like I'm a huge, huge fan of Metallica, but I just think that like Dave, 
had like an inbuilt ability to play weird progressive music and like he applied that to kind of metal very 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 well look the weakest point about him is his vocals you know that's the only only problem having so. said that man now this is something i think is interesting like we're covering on oh, that this gig coming up we're finally going to cover tornado of souls but i can only sing it in um c tuning like I've tried seeing it in a uh, standard and I just don't have the pipes for it. Like my voice is naturally more of a Rob Flynn, ice yeah. surf, kind of low, low thing. And uh, man, that, and I've really thought about it. I'm like, that's why a lot of bands don't cover Megadeth because mm. it's fucking seriously yeah. hard to play and insanely hard to sing. Cause he's got such well, a different- that, That's for sure there. the weird thing because a lot of it is in standard tuning. You would imagine that if you had a voice like Mustaine's, you would have sang in that kind of, you know, euthanasia, cryptic writings yeah. register that was a bit lower mm-hmm. and, you know, give him room to roof. But like, he just went for the high, like really high kind of register and it was, I guess, harder to do. Some people are just like that. Like, you know, James Hetfield is one of those dudes whose voice has just got more powerful and stronger every year you know like by the time he's 70 we'll be being all like ah what the hell (laughs) shouting his head off like you know yeah you think like i've tried a few metallica covers in karaoke and i think yeah i i can hear it but like there's certain parts you're just fucking your voice will shoot out you know you go ah you know surprisingly you wouldn't think it like you know but yeah Mm. speaking of the big four guys did you ever um hear that, you know, the very first Big Four concert movie they put out? I was at it, like yeah. The, I was at the, the, the movie, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, right. Now, I saw it in the cinemas. Did you guys see it in the cinemas? Yeah. Right. Now, do you guys remember when Megadeth played and that audio, the original audio of the, the first Big Four concert of Megadeth playing? Do you guys remember that? No, I was drunk. I remember. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember it's a local cinema here. Everyone, like a lot of few of the metal crew in Adelaide went and uh, everyone was drinking because you can in this particular yep. cinema. But when Megadeth played, man, I was like, I'm a huge Megadeth fan. I had to almost leave the room because uh, Mustaine's voice at that point was just so shot. Like he, oh. he sounded like a like uh, someone first learning to sing, <clears throat> like just singing everything out of key. Yeah. And, uh, and then I noticed when they put out the actual big four like DVD Blu-ray, they fully edited his voice and it sounded better. But I had the original file and it, oh yeah, atrocious. They did the same, man. You know, they did like a 20th anniversary or Rust and Peace live album and stuff like that and kind of down yeah. to reception yeah. and it was all just all post, post-synced right from start, you know, Dave's voice. And I think it's like, I saw them at, last time I saw them was at Hellfest in 2012 and it was just like so really, really, really awful. Yeah. And some of my mates have seen seen them since and said it's good. Yeah, and I, I think it's one of those things like you know, like Priest, where sometimes whenever you go and see Priest or someone tells you about Priest, they're like, "Oh man, Halford sounded bad," or Aussie, you know. And then the next year they'll say it sounded good. So mm. not everyone, as I said, is blessed with that amazing consistency that some like Dio or Hetfield had, where they can just smoke I think, and I think it, it out, yeah, you know? I think you nailed it there with consistency because I saw Megadeth the headlined uh, Bloodstock maybe yep. two years three years ago and they were fucking outstanding his voice was spot on great you know? and that's it I think that's what it is dude it's like like I know that Dave is a smoker and stuff like maybe that's just the deal is like sometimes his voice is bad sometimes it's good you know mm, I think so yeah 
think that could Tough. be the key. And like that's a weird one to like maybe we can branch into talking about this for a sec, but you know, uh bands who put their voice on tape. So like uh Wasp got caught out recently, you know, where you know, they were all miles away from the mic and the whole vocals kicked in kind of thing. Oh no. You're serious. Yeah. yeah, they were starting with I wanna be somebody and you know it's like digga 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 you say and like they were still a ways away from the microphone, you know? Oh, fuck. Like, would you rather see like a band like Wasp or White Snake and hear the vocals being like that where it sounds amazing? Or would you rather see it like Mustaine where you're just like, this in- impaired my enjoyment of the gig, you know? I hate bluffers. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. You'd rather hear it being awful. And <laughs> I swear, honestly, I know it sounds sick, but I just hate bluffers. I've I've watched Max Cavalera and fucking there's rhythm guitar there and he's not fucking plucking and I've told people and they've fucked me out of it for ruining the gig but stuff yeah. like that drives me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm right. One of your uh, country uh, bands, Elm Street. Do you remember those guys? Yeah, I know they've played with you guys a fair bit. Yeah, I'm 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 good mates uh, with Ben. They used to um, they used to put uh, their vocals on rhythm guitars on tape. And like we're you know playing in some fucking place that holds fifty people, and you're like, where are all these amazing background vocals coming from? And like you know, but yeah, these tapes. Oh, like he would sing, like he would sing, but then have backing vocals as a backing track. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So they would have oh, like a tape in the background, put backing vocals, or put extra rhythm guitars and stuff in it. I don't think they do that anymore. But that does sound like something they would do because they're very much about that polished sound. Yeah, professionalism uh, and stuff. Yeah, I would never. Do. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think it's like it's a preferred taste. Like for me, for something like White Snake, I'd kind of prefer it because I I want it to be like sing alongable. Yeah, I can understand for White Snake. Yeah, that makes sense. Whenever you're like Wasp in the Button Factory, and you know, it's obvious. I I want Blackie to sing, man. Yeah, I'd rather Blackie suffer through it being truthful. But like when you're looking at the likes of uh, David Coverdale now, um, what would he mime or not? I wouldn't even be checking. Being cheerful no. because you want him to sound the best, you know, for the yeah. for, for the experience of White Snake. Have you seen Wasp, Chris? No, I haven't. I'd love to see them though. Um, yeah, they're one of those bands. I they came to Australia back in the day um, when I was like not even born, probably, mm-hmm. and because uh, I'm like thirty. Um, but yeah, I'd love. They're one of those bands. I'd love to see. I'd have to go to Europe to see them now. Yeah. You know? They were actually supposed to be playing. I bought tickets to see them. Could be October this year. I'm not sure if it's still going on, or I think it, actually it is. It's pushed back to next year. But uh, I have never seen them live either, and I, I'm an old school fan of them. I wouldn't know much of the new stuff, but uh, Electric Circus now, and you know. But I, I don't know. I just think that they'd still kind of bring the whole kind of showbiz side of have you seen him Joe? Yeah, Wasp. Live. Oh yeah, many many times, like many many bad gigs and couple of good gigs as well so mm. and that's it. like sometimes ireland gets lost in the shuffle you know maiden they rescheduled and they just said we're not coming we're not going to reschedule the belfast gig it's just uh i'll try i would travel to go and see maiden again um i saw them last year in san francisco and they were like totally amazing really 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 good you know yeah i was delighted ramstein was cancelled because i couldn't go to it i was supposed to be in holidays in portugal so i hope they'll uh they'll come back that was one of the best gigs I was ever at. They put on a great stage, though, man. 
I love. Oh. Uh, I'm not a big Ramstein fan, but I, I appreciate the uh, the stage show. They put in a lot of effort into that stuff, and I remember seeing him at Big Day Out in Australia, and I was yeah, I was blown away just by all the state. Like it's just this theatrical thing going on watching, and the music's average, but like yeah, the whole package together, I can see how it works. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of either by any means. I had to go to see him live. In, in the tree arena, which would hold probably 12,000 people. So, I mean, the, the flames and everything that was coming, like, you know, Jesus Christ. I don't know how they got away with it in there. I don't think they'll ever be allowed back in there because <laughs> it was just mayhem. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it in there. It's fantastic. I'm not a fan of their music, like even remotely, but like I think that bands putting half of the budget into the stage show is like to be recommended, you know, and like, Whenever they're charging like seventy or eighty bucks for uh, a ticket, you can see that like half of that money is going into pyro and you know things that are going to make it a better show. Mm. Whereas a lot of bands, you know, like Metallica at Slain, it was a hundred quid, and you know, it was exactly the same gig that was forty quid four years ago. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys see that thing? Uh, it was on Facebook recently of um, Ramstein. Okay, it's a video of this their pyrotechnics being set up. Oh yeah, the slow motion thing. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool, and it, like it, it tells you the budget. It was like a ridiculous amount of money. I think it was a show in Germany somewhere. Was, yeah. Yeah, I forget the. I don't know if you remember the football figures, stadium. Yeah, and like you can see the the pack up, the pack down, and then the show is like this tiny part of the video. <laughs> The whole the whole video is basically everything getting set up and packed down, and then they they play for like a portion of the clip. It's crazy. Yeah, time lapse video was brilliant, brilliant. But I mean, yeah. I think I would enjoy everything apart from the music. And um, like I was talking to a mate of mine about it, and he's all like, "Oh man, you should really go." And I was like, "Yeah, but like if the world's best fireworks display was going on up the road for like twenty quid, I probably wouldn't go." You know, because I'm not interested in the fireworks enough to want to want to go to it you know yeah what about g joe do you have much of stuff to bring on tour with g as in do you have a backdrop do you have lights yeah or? like we're trying to figure all that, like because we don't know when touring is going to happen again mm-hmm. you know it's trying to figure all that stuff out but yeah like we're trying to we're trying to make that bigger so you know we've got like a mascot and a backdrop and you know dummy marshall cabs does that count as cheating or not or i don't know if no. it does <laughs> that's a, People want to see more marshals. So that sort of stuff. But like, um, yeah, we're we're just trying to, you know, because we've been at it so long now, it's like we have seven albums. We can only really do like one or two songs, well, two songs per album and stuff, you know? So we're trying to, we're trying to figure all that out. But see, to be honest, man, like I honestly think that it could be a ways before it comes back to Europe and America, because the problem basically is that no matter how well things go in Europe, right? A lot of the touring festival circuit that goes on next summer, right, is going to involve around American bands coming over to Europe. And as long as that's either going to be a restriction on that happening or certain countries that are important won't let bands like that come in, Mm. then there's not going to be any festivals. So, like, Grass Pop can't happen next year if American bands can't come to Europe, you know, or et cetera. And, like, say, fair enough, Grass Pop may be able to happen, but what about like other countries like Spain, maybe if their numbers aren't good or America's numbers are still bad, they're not going to let them in. So yeah. there's a lot of people saying that it's going to be 20, 2022. 
Jesus, I hope not. So, like, um, that's that's just the whole, that's the short and the narrow of it. It's kind of like as much as, like, it's it's brilliant, Chris, that you are able to, you know, start doing local shows and will start being able to do national shows. But I think it, it could be a while before you start seeing bands from America even being allowed to come back to Australia, you know, because Australia have zero cases and America have got 100,000 100, new cases a week. You know, how can you do it? Yeah, like, I mean, we're supposed to play with DRI and Hyrax, as we mentioned earlier, but I can't see that happening in February next year. That'll get postponed, yeah. um, which is a real shame. And we were supposed to this year, we were supposed to play probably one of our biggest shows, and that was Full Terror Assault with um, Exodus in the States. Brilliant. In the, in the States. Yeah, yeah I was, like, really looking forward to it. We played it before with Rich King. We did the full Black Sabbath thing where we... Uh, we did the tour with Lich King. We did like 49 shows with them in, in back in 2018, no, 2017. And um, that show, Full Terror Assault, Lich King was scheduled to play, but we applied too late and we didn't get a slot. But we just went with them to party with them because we had a day off. And um, yeah. I'm, chatting to this, I'm chatting to this bird and um, she's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're traveling with Lich King, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, where's your gear? And I saw it's in that van just there and I pointed to it. And um, she goes, oh, hang on one second, wait here. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm like in a Hawaiian shirt drinking rum. <laughs> and then uh, she goes, oh, um, a band pull out of Houston. Do you want their slot tomorrow? It's right before Havoc. Yeah, and I was okay. Like, <laughs> My guitarist didn't believe me until we're on stage and he just like shit himself. It was so good. <laughs> Has that happened much where you've kind of just out of circumstances got something bigger and better as gig was um, that gig and one time in, in adelaide it wasn't the kind of show he wanted to play but it was still pretty cool we got to a band called pain i don't know if you know um the what's his name punk or Peter. yeah his band uh the guy that plays in another metal band i forget what they're called i've heard of pain yeah, pain. Yeah, last minute we got that gig because someone pulled out, and yeah, sometimes you're just in the right place in the right time. You get some, you get some cool shows. What about you, Joe? Have you played Full Terror Assault? Like any in the state? No. Oh yeah, like we have. Like we've we've, we've played uh, the states a bunch and stuff like that. We toured with Forbidden over there and Overkill yeah. and uh, DRA and etc. But um, we haven't been back in ages, man. And I tell you why it is is because basically. The cost of doing it, you know, visas and stuff like that, and doing all that stuff from Europe is pretty expensive. So we got yeah. like offered to do a tour last year with Warbringer and Enforcer, and we had to turn it down, even though like I think the money was pretty good. I think it was like seven hundred bucks a night or something, which is like above our usual fee for doing club shows. So, um, but yeah, we just we just couldn't do it, and it's one of those things that's I guess like. The older you get, the more you kind of have to get used to, you know, where you're like, you know, real life has to come first in this case, you know, and there's a couple of guys in the band who've got kids and stuff. And, yeah. you know, I think all of our hard road was like about 10 years ago, you know, when we used to do like 150 shows a year and stuff. And I think we're in the kind of 90s of our career at the minute. So <laughs> we're probably waiting for another three or four years until we become old enough to want to go on tour <laughs> a lot, you know? 
Yeah. Can I ask though, um, it's a bit of a nosy question. Uh, feel free to turn this one down. But like, so when you guys get a tour internationally, do you, although you get your show fee, do you, do you, are you yep. still self are you still self funding your flights or to get there? So basically, the way like uh, like specifically uh, festivals and stuff like that, uh, we will kind of just say, listen, you have to pay the flights and X and X and X. You know, so if the fee is going to be like two thousand euros or a thousand five hundred euros. We would much rather that the festival provided all the flights and did all that kind of stuff and then give us a smaller fee. Um, but we've done like, to, you know, whenever you go away for long tours and stuff like that, usually you have to kind of sort that sort of stuff out yourself, you know? So, um, but there's no easy way of doing it, man. Like, I guess it's the same because we're saying there's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow of it. It's trying to find that sweet spot between uh, going and doing things that are brilliant for the band and then not doing things for the the you know longevity of the band you know so it's like some tours you, you can't do just to keep the band together because some guys in the band you know can't do it because of whatever reason so mm. is there that side of it as well that you you kind of really want to get to a say a particular country that you've never got to before how do you kind of i suppose put the costs versus the sense of let's do it just to say that we've got there you know is there much? Yeah, Is that- you know that side of it's tough. You know, um, we're like on country like forty-four or something like that. So, and there's a lot of those places like South America or Australia or or Japan. The further away a gig is, the less control you have over whether it's going to happen or not. So those are the ones that you really need to make sure that they have bought your flights to you know kind of do it. So you're better off having them pay your flights and then whatever. But um, yeah, there's loads of places that we'd love to go and play and we do kind of prioritize that sort of stuff. So like, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll go and do South America rather than doing Europe just because we want to go and hang about and see what that's like down there, you know, have an adventure. Yeah, I so want to play South America. That's like at the top of my list. We've done Europe, yeah, a couple of times, once with Lich King and once on our own. And we've done the States and Australia numerous times, New Zealand a couple of times, Southeast Asia, uh, Japan, but I'd love to do South America next. And I'm happy, like we're not, um, obviously Gamma Bomb, you're a much bigger band than what we are, you know, and uh, yeah, we have to self-fund a lot of it, you know, but luckily now, like our merch sales are doing quite well, that the band really hasn't had to put any of our own personal money into it. Um, but international flights is the only thing that we pay for in the band that's so a good way of doing it man and you know the thing is it's not necessarily about being a bigger band or whatever like you know it's kind of more yeah. you know yeah. we, we've been on the go for a, a 10 years longer than you guys so you know we've been to so in 10 years time if we have this conversation you'd be like yeah i've been to all those places you know <laughs> yeah what was south america like man can you tell me about that who did you play cool. with uh, first time we went down there, we went down with um, um, Dark Funeral, and it was supposed to be the exploit or no, uh, the accused. So the the like kind of very bills down there, and the accused dropped out. But that was a good. That was all in Brazil. And then the second time we went down on our own with like a bunch of bands uh, supporting us. But it's it's really really brutal, man. I guess it's some somewhat like Australia in the sense that you're like doing the gig, getting off stage, getting to the hotel at like two a.m getting up at like half five to go to the airport and then flying to the next city. And it was like doing that for 15 days, you know? So 
you just end up feeling really, really tired and run down. And, you know, the classic thing when someone says, oh, my God, you know, what's X city like? And you're like, I don't, don't know. I've, I didn't get to see any good parts of it or, you know, I was sick that day, you know. So that's the ups and downs of, of doing it. But it is, it's a, it's a crazy, awesome, awesome place. But it's one of those places that's so weird and just out there that kind of like, like, we went down there before touring with Forbidden and we were talking to the guys from Forbidden about they they went down there and toured. And they said when they got there that the promoter hadn't booked any of the etern- internal flights for the entire country. So they were doing a show, getting paid, and then the night before flying, booking their flights. So they said it was... And like the exit has said the same. They were like, we were, you know got to Lima, Peru, and the guy wouldn't give us the fee for the gig. So the didn't didn't do the gig you know and there was a rat so it is it's a bit wild westy you know yeah it's funny you say that man uh because uh a band uh, who was a warbringer did an australian tour right and uh the promoter for the tour was a guy from south america um oceanic sharks was his booking agency and uh yeah he left warbringer stranded in melbourne Poor guys, but luckily, luckily, a great venue there, the Bendigo Hotel. Um, they put them up upstairs in some rooms and fed them, and and uh, they got their flights sorted out. And yeah, it was all it all sorted. Um, but yeah, they had to yes get their flights sorted out personally because this guy, this promoter, just fled. Apparently, he fled the country, Australia, after that, went back home because um he got Skipped. online, got public shame online. So. Yeah, yeah you get that, but he was probably the lads were lucky that it was in an English speaking country. Yeah. If, you, if yeah, you're left very stranded lucky, in Peru, fuck that. How does that yeah. work? Yeah, haven't, haven't botheration. Yeah, I don't know. Well, look, I, I guess that's just that's the nature, the nature of the beast. You know, we mm. we have a big safety net in our band band account for being you know stranded at the North Pole kind of situations like that because you know. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, I'd say we're battling, like us being Irish, you were battling like insane temperatures out in Brazil as well, were you? The worst was for sure uh, Ecuador. So it was. Um, played Ecuador as well, yeah. Cool. Yeah, and it was like, there were the whenever we, before we did the gig, they said that destruction had pulled out of the gig, uh, that they were supposed to do a couple hours before going on stage. Because it, it's um, Ascension is the name of. Uh, the city and it's like so high altitude that the oxygen is incredibly incredibly thin like you know and mike couldn't breathe and stuff and they just didn't didn't do the show but yeah that was really that was really difficult like you know you're just sitting being all <laughs> yeah wow what about mexico as well that was probably the same well not the same with the height wise but i mean that must have been insane the humidity as well there was it yeah it was, and like we're right going down the freeway in Mexico, the tires, both the back tires and the van burst, and we uh, sat on the side of the road for like three hours waiting for them to go and get new tires, and like about twenty minutes into it, this really intense hailstorm charge just started and went on. So just lots of weird, weird weather. We don't get any of this. Like Chris, see in Ireland, it's like. <laughs> I would even describe it. It's just like fucking wet. <laughs> it's very wet. It's very green for a reason. Like you know, <laughs> it just rains all the time. Yeah, I don't think many bands uh, would have problems with members passing out with dehydration unless it's a, a very small venue. Yeah, with no aircon. 
<laughs> Fred, Fred Zeppelin's in the old days. Like Chris there, I mean, uh, Japan actually stands out. What was that like culturally wise? It was a big shock. Oh, um, we've, we've done Asia before and we did China uh, right before. And um, cool. yeah, J- Japan, they're just such lovely people. Like so overly friendly. It actually, it's funny when I was there, I was lining up to get some beer so we're hanging out with some of the Truth Fresh uh, Fest crew, um, and they took us out one night. And they're like, "Oh, we'll go get some beers." I bought a couple of beers at a local sort of like kiosk kind of thing, and I was lining up, and everyone is just so polite and patient, man. And it makes me really wonder, like, wow, Australians are so rude. Like <laughs> people wanting at their watches, you know, Western civilization, you know. Oh, come on, mate. You know, I've been waiting in this line for like two minutes now. Why haven't I been served yet? You know, and people were like, you know, hurry, you know, fidgeting around. But in, in Japan, they're so friendly, so patient. Like when, when they serve you, you never get any bad customer service. Like it's just, yeah, mind boggling. I don't know if you experienced that, Joe, but yeah. Yeah, no, they are, they are, they're super friendly. Like uh, my base didn't arrive off the plane. And there was like, when I got off the plane, there was someone there to apologize about that. And they're like, we're going to send it to your hotel. If that happened anywhere else in the world, they'd just be like, I don't know what's happened to your base. Like, you know, I guess, I guess you'll find out, you know, yeah. you'll find out. Last year, I bloody uh, got off in Sweden um, and I was at the airport. All the guys got their gear and my, my Yamaha base just didn't arrive. And I was like, what the fuck? We're supposed to be playing in a few days. And they couldn't, they couldn't locate this base. And um, luckily the band I played with on the first night, Chainsaw, a Swedish thrash band, um, they were like, oh, dude, look, I've got this Dave Ellison signature base. Just use it for the tour and then give it to your driver at the end of your tour because he's Swedish and he can take it back. He is. I was like, so oh, thank you. So, yeah, I got to do that. But then, um, yeah, they tried to send the base back to – because every time I do a tour, I try and do two or three weeks off afterwards. And they tried to send it to Malta because that's my background. I'm Maltese. Cool. They tried to send uh, they tried to send the base there. I'm like, I don't want it now. The tour is done. Send it back to Australia. I don't want to carry around. Have you been to Malta before, Chris? Yeah, I have. I went after the European tour last year. It was I got to meet all my cousins, and it was really weird. Actually. I know. Um, I know a great Irish guy out there who puts on shows. So I'll send you the details next time you're in Europe. I guarantee that they'd be very, very happy to have you over there. And it's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant gig. Look, you know. This is Jim you're on about, Joe, yeah? It is indeed. Jim, yeah, Jim the man. Jim the gent. Oh, have you played Malta before? Like, has Gamma Bomb played there? Yeah. Or? yeah. Really? How was it? It was brilliant. It was amazing. Like, I've been there a couple of times just as a, a tourist and stuff. And, um, yeah, like, they just organized one show and they got, like, some support bands, one from Sicily, one from Malta and stuff. And um, it was brilliant. There was, like, 300 people there and... Like cool. better than we've had in some European cities. You're like, man, this is great. So um I would definitely recommend obviously you've Maltese heritage, you should for sure go on a hit hit Jim up. He'll, yeah, he's sound, yeah. He's a lovely guy. Yeah, my dad's back in the bar. Yeah. I How actually Chris, I had him on the show. I can't remember which podcast it was, but yeah, he goes into detail about the Maltese scene out yeah. there. Cool. He's he's a top yeah. dude, isn't he, Joe? Yeah, and it's it's so weird, isn't it? Like you know, we're talking about island culture again. Like you know, Malta, Ireland, Australia. It's like you know, everything requires extra effort to go and make it happen, kind of thing. Like you know, but um, yeah. I think that's a kind of good thing. Like you know, you probably agree with this, Chris. That you probably 
you know, per, without naming names, there's probably been some thrash bands who've had things kind of handed to them on a plate by either geographically being in a really good position or, you know, you know, it, it, it makes things a lot easier sometimes whenever you're where, where things are happening, you know? Definitely. Yeah, Joe, like, uh, like if we were a European band, if we were based in Europe, we could smash so many shows. Like, it's yeah. ridiculous. Like, the amount of festivals that I apply for that I, um, or shows that we get, but just don't line up with other shows. Yeah. Like the festival in this month we get accepted for, and then in that month, and I'm like, oh, I can only pick one and then build shows around it. Like, that's all I can do. If we were living in Europe, we could just boom, where we go. You know, like, it's, and that's where the thrash metal fans are. Would you say, Joe, like, would that, would, would that be where your biggest fan base is for thrash metal? Probably for us, it's like uh, Spanish or Portuguese speaking countries. So, like, uh, Spain, Portugal, South America, Mexico. Um, it's weird, man. Germany is one of those countries where they, they love certain bands and they don't like certain bands, you know. And it's not that we're disliked in Germany, like, we've had brilliant gigs and stuff, but I think they're a wee bit more serious about their music. Whereas, like, places that tend to be sunnier, they're on for having a little more fun with their music. So, yeah, um, and that's that's, just, that's how we find it as uh, as punters. Like we get on really great in the Netherlands and Belgium and France and stuff. Probably a bit less so in Germany and Poland and uh, Italy, and then like really well in like sort of any of those sort of kind of countries. I, I guess you guys are probably find a similar thing. You know, there's some countries that they really dig the Australian thing, either for either they're into Australian thrash bands or they like the kind of idea that, oh man, here's a band from some country that we don't usually, you know, see a band coming over from. So, but I don't know. Yeah, they love it in America. They love the whole uh, talking about Crocodile Dundee and uh, talking <laughs> yeah. about, you know, Drop Bears. Like, that's funny. We wrote that song, Drop Bears Are Real. I don't know if you've heard that, guys. But yeah, like, uh, we actually wrote that. Because um, Lich King, the guitarist, Nick, he was like saying to Phil, like our guitarist, hey man, um, clear something up for me. Uh, a drop bear's real, man. And we fully had him going for ages. We're like, yeah, they're real. Like, you gotta be careful when you're walking around hiking, like they come down and just grab you. And he was like, really? Like, <laughs> there was a, and, suit, uh, like, a lot of Australian people in Ireland used to perpetrate this myth that there was these giant uh, seagulls in Australia that came down and pecked people to death as well. So and I'm sure that was <laughs> that. That's, a, that's well, a take on on the drop bars. So there's your sequel. I think, um, Chris, as well, York, there's a bit of a Teutonic trash going through your veins there as well in, in your sound. Have you played Germany much? Yeah, we've um, we played Headbangers Open Air last year, and we did a couple of German shows around it. Um, but yeah, Germany's actually—I'm sure Joe will agree with this. Germany is just the hot spot for thrash metal in terms of like merch sales. You get well looked after. Um, I'm a massive personally out of all the thrash bands in Germany. I'm a huge Exuma fan. Oh, I love. Um, mine's he's the singers. I love his mm. vocals, I love that shower that he's got, yeah. And um, I'd love to play with him. I saw them last year at Brutal Soul because I went on a bit of a holiday with my my uh, my girlfriend and we went to um, yeah, Brutal Soul. And I got to see him play, and I knew like every lyric. And he was looking at me just like, Oh wow, I got to meet him in the meeting great, and it was so cool, yeah. Chris, I was at that as well. I was mm. at that fucking gig, man. I met so many oh, really? fucking, I met so many Aussies 
um, over that three or four days. Brutal Assault was amazing, yeah. You're probably the only one I didn't meet, put it that way. Uh, yeah, actually, dude, if you guys look at the latest Sacred Reich video, I'm in it. There's a part where I'm in it. If you look at the, the latest clip they're doing, uh, it's like a live clip with um, studio audio on it. Okay. Um, Sacred Reich, you can see my ugly mug come up. I go up to the camera <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So that, was, cool. that was the first time I saw Exumer live was at that Brutal Assault. Yeah. He gave it fucking as we say in our, he gave it Holly, man. He was fantastic as a frontman. I think yeah. they're like a band who are a good example of someone who's kind of like, they're probably bigger now than they ever were in the 80s. Are they like, you know, I don't remember Exumer being that well thought of when we were growing up. Whereas now it kind of seems to be, it's like Razor, they're like now in vogue again or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah they got a great reception and they were probably one of the first bands on that day, Chris, weren't they? They were on very early. Did you camp? Yeah, I did. And uh, my girlfriend hated it. She's not into <laughs> camping. And yeah, we had a few arguments about that, as you do when you travel. But um, she got over it pretty quick, though, and she grew yeah, accustomed to it, I guess. Mm. Would you camp much, Joe? I'm just back from, I was up the uh, Moran Mountains camping all weekend. So ah. but yeah, at festivals and stuff, like I go to Glastonbury all the time. So I'm I'm well used to the First World War conditions of camping, like, you know, it's lots of mud and unpleasant taking a shit situations, you know. Nah, I, I've stopped. So I think the last time we camped was, oh, actually, I camped in Hellfest one year and it was fucking miserable. Yeah. I got around three hours sleep. Um, you know what you need, man? You know, horrendous. honestly, the best thing you can get, see an inflatable uh, mattress, dude. Mm. If you have yeah, one of those, you it's sleep. It's noise, though, as well. The noise, yeah. You need to you need to either be drunk enough or have earplugs, but that's the thing. Like the older you get, you're just more like, man. The older you <laughs> so, get, the crankier you get. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Victor Meldrew. So I'm gonna leave you go, lads. Um, do you wanna give a shout out to the fans that are listening to this, how they'll find your stuff and have you any new stuff coming up promo wise that you wanna yeah, no, I want to shout out to uh is it is his name Season or Season? I can't say Sesson. his name properly. Sesson. Sesson. Yeah. Shout out to Sesson for uh, hooking me up with the gig. Yeah, if you want to know more about Hidden Intent, check us out on Facebook or uh, hiddenintentofficial.com. Get a dog up yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, th thank you very much uh, for having us again, Richie. It's a pleasure coming on. And new Gambom album coming out at the end of the year, I think. And yes. uh, gigs, gigs TBC, I guess. But um, yeah. Excellent. Really, really nice to meet you, Chris. And um, yeah, oh, I do, yeah. And uh, hopefully your paths will cross on tour, lads, at some stage. Absolutely. Would absolutely love to do some gigs with uh, Hidden Intent. So, fingers crossed, whenever this whole thing yeah. blows over, we could do something. Yeah, like on that note, um, ages ago, I asked uh, your booking agent, uh, is it Roman? Yeah, well, with, with a new guy at the minute or whatever, but you can just hit us up. Yeah, Roman, I had, him, I had him up ages ago and he was like, yeah, Gamma Bomb, they've all got IT jobs now and they're not touring at the moment. <laughs> it's so hard. It, it is, it, it's just kind of like, it's difficult for the dudes at the minute really to justify going away for two weeks. You know, if you've got a good job, you're going to be losing money and you're kind of like, you know, who's going to look after the kids kind of stuff. So as I said, we're just in that period at the minute between heavy tour and so in a couple of years, I think we'll be 
back at it. We're going to definitely do a European tour next year with like probably Eccentrix and someone else, but until such time, it'll, uh, it'll have to be online-based buffoonery only. Yeah. All right, lads. Thanks a million. You've been listening to Richie, the Metal Cell Podcast. Thanks again to Chris and Joe. Respect, guys. Fair play. Take it easy, Richie.